Welcome to Teachings in the Air. air, air. Podcast with Jerry Oldman, coming to you from Hunkameenum Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound in mind, body, and spirit, because that's what health means. Teachings in the air from Coast Salish territory. Today I'm going to be sharing with you what I call our nation's treasures. I've been thinking about this because of my, I guess you could say because of my life with nation's treasures. And what I'm referring to is the elders that have shared with me and had taken me under their wing and taught me and spent time with me so generously when they'd seen that I was, I guess in their mind, I was ready and that I wanted to learn the ways of our people. When I think of those elderly men and women and the kindness that they showed and the generosity, at times, because many of them are gone now, I still get saddened when I remember their voices and the, especially the looks in their eyes when they would look at me. Because I would see this inclusiveness, this acceptance of Jerry in their eyes, in the tonality of their voice, the patience they had with me when I was younger, when they were teaching me. And I look back, it was such a gift. And that's why I call this podcast Our Nation's treasures. We are in an interesting time now as indigenous people. When I think of the, you know, the recent history, and I say recent, I mean like say a hundred years in, in BC. It's not that long ago that we had elders living the pure way, the pure indigenous way. 
that only spoke our language, that lived off the foods that they harvest with their own two hands or they grow. They make their own clothing. And I think of my great-grandfather, Patsé, and how he lived and how healthy he was, how sound in mind, body, and spirit Patsé was. That, that is not too long ago. In my mind that I had this opportunity to connect with people that were from a pure culture. And I'm so blessed to have met people and been in the presence of elders like that. And I said that we're in interesting times because we all know that there was segregation and assimilation happening in Canada. Segregation means to separate us, put us on a reservation, put us in a residential school to where we are not with Canadians. Segregation, we're segregated, we're separated from Canadian society. And the assimilation policies that they put into practice to block our languages, to block our music, to block our spiritual practices, and to separate us from our foods. Because many of our men grew up knowing that they're going to go hunt and they're going to go fish to feed the people. And they were taught by their elders how to do this so that we would have a sustainable life, which means that year after year, generation after generation, it's going to be the same. Plentiful. Moose, salmon, deer, all of the foods we enjoyed. I remember elders talking about harvesting roots that were to be our food and to make sure that we always only took what we need and to make sure we leave the seed so that it would be there again next year. The, the elders, the traditional elders, were a broken chain of knowledge coming down through generations of how to be. When I think of the assimilation, which means they're going to make take away our indigeneity and make us Canadian or Euro-Canadian, that that was actually a plan to get rid of our way of life. And the fancy words for that, of course, are cultural genocide. When I think of that, and I remember that, I know when I say treasure, because treasure is something valuable and precious, that those traditional elders are valuable and precious. 
I am doing this podcast to alert people or to inform people about this gift that might be in their midst so that the treatment of our elders, our traditional elders, will be like it's a treasure to recognize that that in our own nations, like Amstetlium, that if I don't go see those elders, or if I did not go see them, I would have never received that knowledge. That's how precious it is. Because when our elders leave, they take their knowledge with them, unless they have shared it with others. I say we're in interesting times because all of a sudden it's institutions of Canada that are including elders and asking elders to come to open conferences, to acknowledge territory, to say the prayer, to open a conference or a meeting. I've been aware of that. I've been part of that. I've been asked to do those things. Those, I shouldn't call them a thing, the honor of opening a conference, of welcoming people, and doing a prayer song. That's why I say it's interesting times, because we're included now. At one time, we're excluded. Our ways were actually outlawed. The potlatch in the Indian Act, when they banned the potlatch, and our other spiritual ceremonies. That was intentional. So now it's turning around, and we're starting now. I know today that people want to call elders. And that's why I feel that what I'm sharing with you today is important. And it's critical, too, that we start to open our mind to these treasures. Because, well, as one of the aunties in one of the communities said when I was there with working with the youth and the elders, and she said, we're running out of time, Jerry. The youth aren't coming to us to ask us, or even just to sit with us so we can tell them how to be, how to take care of your mind, your body, and your spirit so you can develop. How to be in public, how to be with people, how to speak to one another, how to listen. In her view, she said, we're running out of time. And I feel because she was in her 80s, she was saying that. And uh, part of that message was, how do we connect with the youth as elders? And that's, that's a concern today with elders. And, uh, you know, I, 
I get it and I know and I understand that this assimilation policy and this colonization, all of those acts have brought us to this place of fragmenting our communities and separating us as elders and young adults and children and teenagers in our communities. So the message today about elders, traditional elders, I'll use the word tradition because they were raised in a tradition, that we start to acknowledge them and make sure that people know what they have when they have a traditional elder. I'm considered a traditional elder today. And when I thought of that as I was meditating on this podcast, I thought of what I went through to be able to be called that. That I started to train by following the teachings of my uncles, my late uncles, and other relatives on how to take care of myself. They used the words kwasanjut, that I'm to train myself. And that was an important part of the message that they were giving me, that I am to take responsibility for myself. And I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts about how it seemed to me that the first teaching was, if you want to, you run early in the morning, just as days break, and you be out there and you be running. And I thought of that as I thought of this podcast about how that was strengthening my willpower to get up early every morning to run and to develop myself. And the other training methods of the sweat lodge and about the heat involved in that. And and I now look back and I see it as strengthening my mind and my spirit and cleansing my body that all of these activities seemed to have a challenge with them. And at times it was physically uncomfortable to experience the cold water, to experience the heat in the lodge, or to sit for hours in ceremony and not move. Now when I look back on that, I realize that that's what my elders went through. That they, they ran early in the morning. They sat in sweat lodge. They sat in ceremony. They ate the medicines. They were doing 
what our people had done for thousands of years, which was to develop their mind, their body, and their spirit, so that they would be good human beings, that they would have patience when they sit with the people. I've sat through I don't know how many circles, and some of them would last hours on end, and listen. And I know today that I, that the reason I could do that and stay with it was because of the training of facing discomfort and being okay with it, staying with it, that that was what got me to be a traditional elder. Oh, and I think of all those ceremonies I've been through. Name-giving, funeral, birth, coming of age, you know, and the, then the individual ceremonies of running, fasting, sweat lodge, cold water, bathing, all of those. Those are literally ceremonies. Because ceremony is something we do consistently. And it's the same way over and over and over again. And I accepted that. And I done it. And I still do it. The running is not the same as it is, as it was. You know, but I still sit in ceremony and ask for help. I ask for, for patience because at times I lose patience as an elder with younger ones. At times I say, when I was your age, I, I would listen to an elder, you know, and I have to remind myself that what an elder would said to me once is, Jerry, everything is in constant change. Everything. How we live is in constant change. And I accept that today, but I still hunger and wish for our ways that I'd seen in my elders their patience, their generosity, their good sense of humor, their love for the people. Part of what brought this podcast about is that I would hear others talk about elders and would be disappointed. So I wanted to share that yes, that we must remember that traditional elders are the ones that carry traditional knowledge and have lived that tradition. They were born into it and they lived it and they practiced it. Then we have seniors, or what I call olders, 
That's our people, you know, that have achieved. And what society says, over 65, you're a senior, 65 years of age. And we have many that have done that, which is good. But just because they're 65 or older does not mean that they were in the culture, their own culture. Because of that, what I mentioned, assimilation policies and the segregation that happened to our people. We must realize that someone that went to residential school from grade 1 to grade 12 were not exposed to their culture. They were being assimilated. Their language they no longer spoke because at residential school we did not speak indigenous languages. We did not do ceremony. At the residential school there was no puberty right when the young boy became a man or the young girl became a woman. That wasn't there. So it's unfair for us to expect seniors to know. Because many of our seniors today lived that life of residential school. I did. I'm lucky. And I tell people today and I share with them that I went through puberty rights when I was 27 years of age. And that's okay. Don't feel you had to do it right when your voice changed as a male. You know, because emotionally I was still very immature and childish at 27 years of age because I, my emotional growth was stunted because of abuse. So I still went through the ceremony and it still benefited to me. It caught me up. Emotionally, I still had to learn a lot of skills of living with people after I went through that coming-of-age ceremony. But I'm glad I went through it. Because it finally taught me to be patient, to sit through discomfort for four days and four nights, and to come out the other end knowing how to appreciate silence, to accept silence. For two days in that ceremony, I struggled and I questioned this ceremony. Why am I doing this? I actually, in my mind, said, this is stupid. Why go without food and water? Why sit here by myself? It was not until I owned what I was doing. And I said, I am fasting because I need help. When I said those words, I accepted the ceremony. And I sat there and I looked at myself and my life and started to fully accept that I need help, that there's something wrong or something that happened that you know, I'm not a happy camper in this life. In fact, my life felt hateful to me. It wasn't until then 
that my mind opened up to this ceremony. And I'm glad that happened. Otherwise, I would have suffered all the way through and maybe not learned a thing. Because as soon as I accepted what I was doing, it changed. I no longer felt hungry or thirsty. I started to look, to hear, and to see in my mind the truth about Jerry. And I started to ask, what, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? And when I asked, the answer eventually came. See, we did not do that at the residential school or the day school. So we missed out. So I, I imagine all the elders that I can remember had gone through the puberty rites, had gone through ceremonies. And that way, they were traditional elders. So our seniors, I believe, you know, the vast majority of our seniors are good people. And that they care. But I know, I've talked to many, and they said that they get asked at times to pray in the language and they say, I do not know the language to themselves. And they feel, they feel it as any of us would. Or asked, they're asked questions about ceremony and they haven't been to ceremony. They feel it. So I share this so that you'll be careful around elders with your expectations that when you go see them, you always bring a gift for the work that they're going to do for you because it's literally work to help, help, help our lives. That's why we go to elders. All the elders that taught me, I went to them bearing gifts and I learned eventually not even to ask, but that eventually they'd start telling me things that <laughs> became profound knowledge for me that was totally ignorant about our ways. And that just them seeing that I have a good heart, that they would start to teach me. I remember this one elder saying, the first thing you do is you thank, you give thanksgiving. When you're working with people, you give thanksgiving to the ones that started the ceremony or the event. Then you thank the people that answered the call and came. And you remember that everything that's going on that they called you to help with is not about you. It's about the people. It's about the future, generations. Those elders that I speak of were in, they had this 
way embedded in them that we're to think in generations, not in fiscal years or years, but in generations. And I think of the teachings that were passed down to me today. I know that, or I can only guess I could say, that those have been coming down now for thousands of years, this unbroken chain of knowledge. Yes, it was not all of the teachings carried sentiments and feelings and beliefs, but the elders that were sharing it did not do it verbatim from what they heard. And I think this is an important part for us to understand, that it was they absorbed the teaching and therefore they can live it, then they can express it in their way. But the teaching remains the same. For example, when the elder said to me, be careful and sincere with your words when you speak to the people. And he said that it's like the bullet leaving the end of a gun. And he was showing by example how critical it is for us to understand the power of our words that they go through the air and they enter people. Then another auntie told me the same teaching. You be careful with the words you speak because your, your tongue can be like a knife and it'll cut people and they'll bleed inside. You can see that the teachings they were there to make sure you understand. Because I, I say this because in the Euro-Judeo-Christian ways, they question our oral history and knowledge because it doesn't, it's not exactly the same as, a, you know, down through the ages when they write it on the paper because we did not write any of this down. Like an elder says, we absorb the teaching. And if we don't absorb it, we cannot live it. So that's what, when you have a traditional elder, that's what you have, and that's a treasure. You know, I really struggled with uh, how to speak about seniors that aren't traditional. But I feel it's very important that we understand this. So when we go ask someone with gray and white hair, that we be specific about our expectations when we call them. Because I've heard people being disappointed when they would say, oh, we asked an elder to do an opening prayer, and they said a Christian prayer. And I know that feeling because I felt that myself. But that does not mean that we should put down that elder because that is their truth. That's what helps them. 
So when we call people, we must be specific about our expectations. If we want tradition, we ask them. We would like you to open with a traditional prayer and a song. Then when you ask them, then they say, oh, I don't do that. Then everything's clear. And we let them know, well, we're looking for someone like that. Then if you say that, perhaps they can say, oh, you should go ask so-and-so then. <laughs> you know, let's not make this uh, where we're putting people down because of what they don't know. So let's take care of our treasures. Let's understand that these treasures aren't going to be here forever. Let's understand that their hearing is starting to weaken. Their eyesight can weaken. Their organs will weaken. And that we must take this into consideration. You know, and I think about myself and I travel because I do a lot of traveling. It, I'm so careful now, because I'm in my 70s, to make sure <laughs> to make sure that I take care of my um, natural needs, like bathrooms and things like that, before I travel. Because I know my I'm weakening physically. So I need to take care of that. And you need to be aware of that too when you call the elders. That they're not going to be embarrassed because of something that's happening to them physically. That they have these physical needs. You know, at one time I could sit for hours and hours and end without needing a, a bathroom break. But I know that's changing for me, so I just wanted to put that in there. You know, that the, there are treasures when I look about, about me and my life. I know there's the treasures for me are getting fewer. They're leaving. And at times that saddens me. One of my nation's treasures is Statlium. He says to me, Jerry, and I was lamenting our elders that taught us music and hunting and fishing, making bows and arrows and snowshoes that they were all gone and he says <laughs> he says Jerry it's our turn and I know that's true and that's part of the reason I'm speaking today on our national treasures that we be aware that these ones have a lived experience they didn't buy it. 
They didn't read it somewhere or hear it on the internet. And he sat in the presence of an elder and absorbed her teachings. And we're told that you must share these. That in a sense they're not for sale, but you're to share them with the people for the good of the people and the good of Mother Earth. Not too often in my life have I heard an elder in a sense tell you what to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know this one time this elder was talking to us in Morley, Alberta. I was 28 years old then, I think 27 or 28. And he says, um, I want all of you to start working with the white people in Canada. And I remember in my mind, I'm saying, why? We got lots of work to do with our own people. And he said, I'm going to tell you why. And I look back, it's just like he could read my mind, my questioning mind, my doubting mind. And he says, because those European people have the gift of movement, and they go, they'll go everywhere, anywhere. They came here. They went to the moon. They've traveled all over the world. They want to go to Mars. <laughs> you know, they got this gift of movement. They wouldn't be moving. It's okay with them. But he says, we have the gift of vision. We're asking you to go share that with them now because they get reckless in their gift of movement and they cause harm. It seems like they don't recognize the harm that they're doing. Another time these elders called us and told us as young adults we're worried because our ways are slipping away. And they were saying that we want you to learn to build our traditional dwellings, to take care of our food in a traditional manner, how to dry meat, dry fish, dry berries, to know all the foods we used to eat off the land. We want you to know that. We want you to know that it's important you learn about that. But all our ways of life, that you start to relearn that because we know that you don't know it today. And I remember this old man telling us that. He's saying, because we're going to need that again. The people are going to need that knowledge again to survive with the change that's coming. I remember that elder. Part of my memory of them is he would talk to the water and thank the water for being there. And he was asking that there be water, clean water for his grandchildren and great-grandchildren he probably will not see.
So these elders too have, uh, at times it seems like a burden, but it's their worries when they see what's unfolding around them. And then they rely on the teachings from their elders. And I imagine this has gone on. Like I say, it's an unbroken chain. So let's put it in our mind to take care of this chain. Let's not let it break and support the elder, traditional elders, the knowledge keepers, and recognize them for what they are and acknowledge them. The traditional elders that I knew that taught me seemed not to expect anything. But I was so lucky that I had others that taught me. And they did not use the word treasure. But they're saying that person spent their life learning what they know. We must acknowledge them. So I learned to gift those elders that would take time out of their life to speak to me or be with me and started to see that as valuable, something precious that maybe I could not get anywhere else. So I got that feeling in me and I feel that used to be with everyone at one time. I remember when I was young how some of my adults treated elders. It's almost like scrambling around to make space for them, being quiet, being deferential to them. So I have memory of that. And I've also witnessed a day where that's not there. But I don't hold blame for that. I don't blame the youngsters for that because no one has told them. We have been on a runaway train called modern life. You know, it's the way the world's going. So I don't blame anyone. That we've lost patience at times. We're not aware of what's special, what's important. Like a saying that really helped me with my life when I read this on a poster in 1976. It's more important to want what you have than to have what you want. So let's put it in our mind that the elders that are with us are important today. And be patient with them and be generous with them and be aware that at times they may be aching with arthritis or just loneliness or disappointment. One of my elders that taught me about Swit Lodge, I looked for him and I found him. And I went and I told him that I wanted to learn and his first thing to do was said, okay, that's really good. He says, I want you to cut wood for me then. So I got wood for him and cut it. 
He says, okay, we're going to have a ceremony. And I had all the wood, and I went and told him I hauled it to his sweat lodge. And I had it all cut up and split, made kingling. And I'm there, and I, he shows me how to make the fire. And I'm there, and I'm helping, and I just listen. And he says to me, Jerry, he says, I just want to let you know how good it feels that you're here. He says, it's just like you gave me 300 bucks, you know, and he's an old man. 300 bucks would be a lot to him. I could see that appreciation he had for me to have an interest in this ceremony that almost disappeared in our area. So we go to them and we may, when we do that and we just respectfully listen and do what they say, the teachings I feel will start come tumbling out of them. As I remember this elder, he says, okay, we're gonna go pick medicine. And we went and we were walking through the mountain. And he'd see a medicine and he'd start singing. He says, I'm singing to the plant. I'm thanking the plant because we're going to take it to help us. So I seen a way that usually people would offer tobacco, but he says, oh yeah, he says, our way we sing to the plant that we're taking the medicine. So he started to teach me. You know, there's no prescribed, this is chapter one, chapter two, or whatever, whatever was there at the moment he would teach me. It's because I went with him. I'd play cribbage with him, go visit him wasn't all about me demanding all the time for teachings. I would wait for him. I'm so glad I learned that he was a, or I had the feeling and belief that he was a treasure. This elder, I remember he, he practiced, he lived tradition. When he needed deer meat, he'd go hunt. You know, then he didn't think of open season, closed season, or any of the fish and game laws. He'd just go get it, because he needs it. And that's the way of our people, that we knew to respect nature, and what to hunt, and what season to hunt that he wouldn't take a doe in the springtime and be carrying youngsters. I remember one of my friends saying, you know, your elder, he, he killed the deer right by the road. And it didn't matter, cars were zipping by, and there he was, you know, <laughs> cleaning it and skinning it. I said, oh, yes, he's practicing his culture, his, his traditions. He's... Pure in a way. 
So I've been blessed to have elders like that in my life. And I acknowledge them today and I raise my hands to them. And that unbroken chain of knowledge and love for the people and for Mother Earth. So that's our traditional knowledge keeper elders. We have words for them in the language and we respect them and honor them for carrying that knowledge and treasure them. And I would ask you to do the same, to have the same considerations and to know how lucky you are when you have an elder like that. And I'd ask you to respect the ones that weren't exposed to this because it was not to their fault. It was not their fault that that, was hap that happened to them. You know, give them their space to... <laughs> give them their space. You know, and, you know, let them open to in their wave. They don't have their ways and you don't have anyone else. It's always good to have an elder, someone that's lived life and has made it this far, has something to offer. But my main message is around a traditional elder. You know, let's truly treat them like treasures. You know, it's, it's very simple. When you ask them to come and work for you, you, you go pick them up. You transport them. Don't let them be walking or taking buses and things like that. You know, and, uh, treat them like a treasure as they are. So that's my message for you. And I want you to understand, too, that when you listen to these teachers and knowledge keepers, then your time is going to come and you're going to be the elder. And the expectation is that you, you, you share what they shared with you with the generations that are coming behind us. Because that's the way it's been ever since we've been here. The Uchlmuk, the original people of this part of the world. That's the way it's been for thousands and thousands of years. So let's take care of that and let's honor that. Let's work together and let's help our elders that are here and honor them and thank them for keeping that knowledge alive. So that's my message for you today and look forward to hearing from you on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook our emails, you know, but know that you have treasures amongst you. They might know the medicine, they know the songs, they might know the food, they might know how to make a snowshoe, they might know prophecies. Know that they're a treasure and treat them as such. So I'd just like to thank you again for listening to this podcast and my hope and wish is always that you'll absorb this knowledge and when you become an elder, 
shared with others. Thank you. <laughs>